Krakoa Radio presents. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Don of X podcast, the podcast where we, I'm sorry, what? Josh, me, I see some like confetti around you. Is I see like a, like a party hat. Yep. I got a party. Is hat someone on. celebrating a next stage of their life. I think so, man. I think this is uh things are fucking in play here, man. What? And... All right, all right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What's up? What's this up? Don of X podcast. I'm it your is. host, Nick, but yes. we have breaking news. Breaking. <laughs> What's the breaking news, my, man? Do you want to tell him or do you want me to yeah, tell him? My friend got a new job and now he's happy. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Happiness. Who? That's a new concept for uh, for me. But yes, uh, I, I think I'm that friend in question. I'm the friend Josh, also co-host of the podcast. And I did get a new job. Um, and I uh, will soon be leaving uh, sunny South Florida to... Uh, be with lady baltimore in baltimore yeah so, uh, yeah shit's happening uh i'll be up there in uh december most likely hear the applause from the audience Woo! oh the thank you audience applause. that's so oh you guys are too kind thank you I all eight of you are just the best you guys are just truly the most wonderful human beings ever the most wonderful dozen of people you guys i couldn't i cannot thank our single digit listeners enough for (laughs) (laughs) our tens of listeners enough for for their support but yeah man it's fucking it's been a long time coming i've been uh haven't really talked about it on the pod but i've been uh applying for a while now for jobs and have uh not heard from anybody and finally one came through and yeah it's a pretty decent one too at that so pretty excited yay awesome uh i'm equally happy because i've just been watching movies um so yeah you did you saw you saw some good movies lately i heard i saw some good and some bad movies um i saw eternals after it's been critically panned it's i think last i saw was like rotten tomato score for critics was like 40 percent. oh god and i was like what the hell is going on so when i saw it on friday i realized uh, that's bullshit it's a great movie it's really, really good. It's I could see why if someone walked in wanting to see the classic Marvel movie, it's mm-hmm. not that. Well, that's I also mean, why I like it. Uh, as we yes, and that's something you and I have talked about on on the on the mics many times that it's nice when things are a little different. Um, but what is the classic Marvel movie anymore? You know what I mean? Because like it, it changes every so often. Yeah. Like the classic Marvel movie is not this like the original phase of Marvel movies isn't quite what it's been. You know what I mean? Like the the quippiness of everybody really only came around the second Guardians movie, really. And then all of a sudden everybody had to be funny. Then Thor was funny in Ragnarok and now everybody's funny. You know, and like that's the new blueprint. But like that wasn't always the blueprint. Yeah, I think around like Avengers one. But even then, like because then like uh thor the the second thor movie came out after avengers and he sure as fuck wasn't funny in that movie you know what i mean like definitely not as much so like i i really think around like the second guardians third thor movie the blueprint became everyone has jokes a mile a minute now (laughs) yeah and thank god this movie just wasn't that there were characters who were designated the funny one and then characters were serious and they stuck with that and for me 
the one of my biggest pet peeves with any Marvel property is when a big emotional moment happens and it's undercut by a joke. Yeah. And they didn't do that in this movie. And that was so refreshing. It's not a perfect movie. And I think the first act is a bit choppy, but it really finds itself. It is a two hour and 30 minute movie, Jesus. but it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And I, uh, I saw the movie. I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast. Maybe I did on our, on our uh, Good Morning Gotham podcast, which you can now find on Spotify and Apple's uh, podcast. Um, I saw Dune. Dune was also a very long movie, but I fucking loved it. it was... We are going to watch that tomorrow night. Yeah. Nice. Are you going to the theater or are going to watch it on HBO? We, we gave up trying to find time to go to the theater for that. I'm just going to watch it on a nice TV, That's HBO fair. Max. That's fair. It, it works, man. It works. I watched it in my home, too. It's fucking great. I liked it. Um, also, what else have we watched? What else? We are... What? What else have you seen? So we just started watching, almost done with a new movie called The Harder They Fall. Oh, that's that new cowboy Netflix movie, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. How uh, is it? It feels like it's the spiritual sequel to Django. Okay. Which you know how much I love Django. And you Django. love Django. You love Django. Yes. So this well movie is so far right up my alley. Nice. It's essentially every black actor in an all black Western cast. Like the townspeople and everything, like everyone's black in this movie. Nice. And it's, it's kind of refreshing and nice. And it just elbows the bad guy and he's fun. He's a good bad um, guy. Yeah. The, I forgot his real name, but he plays Kane the Conqueror and he was in Lovecraft Country. Oh, oh, yeah. I forget his, I know who you're talking about. Super yeah, big yeah. nose. Best way to describe it. Wow. Just, he does. He has a big nose. Just attacking the man on his physical appearances, right? Now. Yeah. I told just one time he looks like black propaganda. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I this is a perfect time to remind the audience that Nick is black. <laughs> so if you're yep. wondering why it doesn't get cut from the podcast, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't it's still. If it does, maybe if you're if you're not hearing this, then obviously you didn't hear it. So <laughs> um, but no, he's like the hero in the movie getting revenge and this is a really good cast all together. And so far, it's a really fun movie, or like a little more than halfway through. And then I actually also want to watch the uh, Army of Thieves movie. Oh, I just saw that. I was like, wait, they made a fucking prequel to that lame ass movie. All right. <laughs> I like the last one. And basically, this is already planned out as its own like little universe. Like there's a True. sequel already planned. There's an animated mm-hmm. prequel. Okay. There's like some weird stuff going on. And I, the, the actual uh, Army of the Dead movie, like. It's stupid. It is. It is dumb. But it's fun. And but like there are some like dumb. legit good tense scenes yeah. in that movie. Yeah. But like the movie also has possible robots, possible time loops, like weird shit. Yeah. It's it's definitely it's definitely a strange one. Um yeah, I didn't fully enjoy it, but I will totally come back for the sequels. I'm not sure if I'm going to dive all up into the prequels and all that shit, you know what I mean? I'll tell you if it's good at least. That you do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I you, do like that German actor yeah. they use, right? And that is that's all. That's the only reason I was considering watching this prequel because it's it's whatever his fuck whatever his whatever that motherfucker's name is. Well, that actor that actually just said like he's happy he's just not playing a Nazi because like everything he does he ends up like a Nazi. Well, there you go, man. You know, yeah. you, you, it's, God, to be a German actor must be very difficult. <laughs> Uh, actually, I have heard many times like every German actor eventually plays a Nazi. That's fucked that's, up. That's man. a thing. It's fucked up. <laughs> anyway, guys, today we are covering Inferno number two. That's right. New Mutants 
number 22. That's right. Sword number eight. That's right. And Excalibur number, I think, was it 23, 24? That's right. You got it. Boom. Nail on the head. Awesome. So let's get right into it and start with Inferno. All right. Um, some things are getting answered immediately. Yeah. Some things um, that I predicted last in from Inferno 1 when I said, that is not Magneto or Xavier who went to all those places to collect the uh, the different helmets and, and blood samples of Destiny. I knew, I'm sure everybody did, but we, we knew that it was going to be de- uh, Mystique and sure as fuck it was. Yeah, it actually was Mystique. We see her being Xavier, Magneto, doing everything. But I also love, because I did, I might have mentioned on the podcast, I don't remember, but I was wondering, like, well, how did she upload um destiny into very it. clever right yeah extremely oh hope i know you should do it you're so special you've never done it before i trust you you should be the one to put the memories back here's my problem with that though hope's power is copying your power if is, there's no psychic yeah. there how'd she do it she's not psychic though on her own though that's not one of no. her powers hope's powers unless something happened i don't know about Hope's actual power is copying others' powers. I, I mean, I knew that, but like, I thought, I thought she was a, tel- a telepath on her own, though. Too. I'll have to look it up. But last yeah. time I remember reading her, it, that wasn't the case. Yeah. <clears throat> I will say before we move on from this opening scene, I do like when Mystique is out there impersonating Charles to to get the DNA from Mister Sinister. Mr. Sinister is like, oh, Charles, how nice to see you. Like he totally he right away. He totally knows it's mystique. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. This is this is enjoyable. <laughs> well, that's what it was. He basically was like, this is going to be entertaining no matter what it is. Yeah. Now, have we ever seen Destiny without her helmet? I don't feel like I really ever have. Or I mean, I have, but not young Destiny. Yeah. Because she's always it, been Irene has always been an older character. Yes. So and like she seeing gave her, her as, back a few years. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah, also I we say, have, she's kind of hot. I see I see yeah. what Mystique sees in her, man. She's kind of hot. Yeah, absolutely. She doesn't even know it because she can't see. Well, that's fucked up. Yeah, I know. Um, I agree, that's why I said it. So no, also I, wasn't saying we that. Have... I meant like the situation like oh, like an O Henry fucked up, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We also have Destiny dealing with actually I guess getting all the memories and the different timeline futures all at once. Yeah, that's I guess almost cracking. Yeah. I think this is also the first time these two uh, who just now became canonically actually involved with each other. um, This is the first time I think they've kissed on panel. Yes. So that was cool. It was always alluded to. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't until I don't think it was until house of x uh powers of 10 that like it was made canon that they were in a relationship yeah uh so week one was just all of her trying to get her brain back together week two is her realizing how different mystique is from the last time they saw each other and how much he's changed physically mentally as a person which almost broke mystique like when the person you love sees you differently it's just like scary i know and made her kind of realize what's wrong with herself. And the yeah. next week is them making a plan. Kind of like forgiving themselves and each other and making a plan of how they're probably going to take down all of this. God damn. God damn are they ever. Yeah. 
So then we cut back to the council meeting where everyone actually meets up with Destiny and he wants and Charles wants to say, hey, let's have a vote to not let this lady in. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't know what happened because I, th- I think he basically openly says, like, how did she even come back? Yeah. He basically he's straight up saying, I didn't do this. So who, who did this? Yeah. It's like, that's not cool. And I thought it was really well done how they how they showed. Yeah, obviously, this person would say no, and this person would say no. But actually, why would Sebastian Saw say yes? Why would Sinister say yes? And then mm-hmm. we see, essentially, Mystique has bribed in different ways all these members. She promises Exodius, like, hey, I have destiny. We have someone who could see the future of this great land and protect us. Isn't that worth voting yes for me? Yeah. It's like, yeah, actually, the religious character he is. Yeah, we have Sinister who just wants to see how entertaining this gets. Yeah, Sinister's just doing it for the lulls. Yeah, essentially. And we have Sebastian Shaw who literally just hears the fact that this would probably piss off Emma. Yeah, <laughs> but that's it. That's all he <laughs> needed. He's like, uh, oh, oh, Emma. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> and then on the flip side of that, she offers Emma something in a box that Emma would kill for. That she's wanted for a long time and says you get it as long as you vote yes yeah i really want to know what that thing is too you know it's the same thing from the pulp fiction briefcase right i wonder if we'll ever know um two 90s references good job honey oh god is it you think it really could be gwen's posture's head yeah that's that's worth a lot that is worth a lot you can freeze it and then make a, a soap out of it apparently yeah i mean think of the goop stocks you could buy with it um incredible and the other vote though the the deciding vote at it, but based on the way we're counting them out right now is nightcrawler nightcrawler votes yes only because it will make his mom happy that was kind of weird they openly said it like that too yeah like mom do you love me like <laughs> mommy mommy do you love me yet <laughs> like, that I, was really I mean, weird but it does go with his character, especially lately, where he's like, yeah, we, this is our chance to be happy. Like, everybody deserves this chance to start over and be happy. Like, I can I can see him being like, yeah, this is my mom's girlfriend. She's back and she gets to be on the council with her. Fucking hell yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Wife. She keeps referring to her as her wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I love it near the end when that vote's passed. And she basically, Destiny, tells Xavier, do you really want to do the other vote? I can tell you how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. And Xavier's like, all right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is fucking annoying, especially for someone who's always in control and probably the most powerful person in the room. I mean, shouldn't he be able to tell how it's going to go? Couldn't he just read everybody's mind and see how they're going to vote? Not respectful, you know? But yeah, because that's Charles Xavier. <laughs> The most respectful man on all of Krakoa. I am waiting for the issue where he just fucking snaps and like controls all their minds and just like, you listen, you're all voting yes, right? Good, good, good. Let's leave. Like, uh, it, to, to me, my X Men fucking. Well, even like in this issue, I was wondering a few times, like, how come Xavier doesn't just read both their minds? If you're yeah. so curious about what they're planning, go in their mind. Yeah, I wonder if, well, I wonder if there's something about Destiny's, uh, the helmet she wears, like the same way, like Magneto's helmet kind of prevents Charles from doing it. I wonder if there's something. But even then, that. what about Mystique? Um, 
I feel like Mystique's been around long enough that she's probably built up some defenses over time. You know, they always well, reference like stuff. People- yeah, they say yeah, that. they always reference people who have like they've built up their psychic defenses and nonsense like that. You know, <laughs> whatever I mean? that means, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> uh, then we also cut to um, I always mess up the name Orcus. Orcus, yeah, Orcus, uh, trying to harness energy from the sun. It seems. At yes. the same time, we have Sentinel and uh, Nimrod talking where Sentinel reveals her true self now that Nimrod is ready. Yeah, because if you recall, I believe in which was it? Powers of Ten, where they go into the future, it is, it is uh, Omega and Nimrod that are still together in that future where the, That's true. you know what I mean? Like she's still by his side at that point. Yeah, I guess I could be a part of it. And she did mention how, like, he's playing dumb, but she knows he's also doing other tests, like, mentally. Yeah, that he's basically, like, self-evolving himself at a, at a rapid pace. But they don't notice it because he's playing dumb. Yeah. Then cut to a very pissed-off Moira. Can it's we like, talk a minute, minute, though, real quick about how this artist, by putting Moira in a yellow uh, jumper or coat, and, and, like, every time I see her, I think, is that April O'Neil? <laughs> um the way she's drawn i always go is that kitty and then there's that too then she kind of does look a little bit like kitty as well so yeah so basically in this conversation of her being pissed off and like how this happened i do really like that they're like listen it already happened that's done but we have other plays we can bring someone new to the council and we can bring someone new to our private council like Let's just I, I do like the the way of thinking from Xavier Magneto of just like listen, let's cut the bullshit and have a like actual solution. Yeah, and I like how Magneto at some point when she tells she basically tells Magneto, if you love me, you'll kill destiny again. Yeah. Um, yeah. and he's basically like, uh no, because I actually do respect the nation that we just built. And like well, I really like that. It was like a like a prideful moment for him where he's like, listen, I could literally crush her head. She wears a metal helmet. Like, yeah, he's like he acknowledges that he can kill her anytime. Yeah. But he's like, that's not how we're gonna run this nation. Like, he's like, I think he has a line where it literally says, like, out of all people, I understand killing for the greater good, but like we can be better than that. Yeah, he says his exact lines here are like it or not, she sits on the council. I'm not a child. I can tolerate a certain level of pragmatism when it comes to how things are run here in paradise, but I have waited my whole life for this place. I won't defile it just because you find it expedient. Yeah, that's fin- that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's so in line with his character. You know, you think of like back to the fucking Holocaust shit, but also back to like starting Genosha, starting Asteroid M. Like he has constantly every play magneto has ever truly had has been to create a safe place for mutants and that is exactly what they have he's like hey i'm not gonna fuck it up then we cut to what i was a little confused about um this krokoan network why why is there a log book uh because krokoa is a living island yeah. And is connected by everything. Mm-hmm. Every mutant passes through a Krakoan gate 
which we've always, which then puts the Krakoan language in their brain. Basically what this is confirming is our, our belief that Krakoa hears everything, you know, like every conversation that's had on Krakoa, Krakoa is listening to and either Doug or somebody has hacked into whatever that, you know, like the network of vines that are connecting all living creatures on Krakoa. Like that's how I took this is that somebody basically hacked into Krakoa's ability to just hear everything that's happening there. Because the way the art works, I kept thinking like Forge is li- not Forge, sur- uh, Surge, Sage. Sage, Sage. There you go. Sage is listening in. Like I was looking. Yeah, no, it's that. just I think those are two separate things. Yeah. I think the Krakoa Network logbook is to basically give us a little bit more uh, backstory with Destiny and Mystique, and then the next one is the X Force mission log, which is what brings us to Sage slash Mystique. <laughs> yeah. Because the, okay. the mission so, log is basically going over uh, the number of times that X-Force has been sent on these suicide missions, where they're going, and then Xavier coming in and redacting everything. So this also raises more questions for us as the, as the readers, because basically Destiny says, you've gone on these missions, you have no idea how many times you've actually died. Exactly. And Mystique is kind of just like, yeah, I don't put it past them lying to us. Mm-hmm. And which is Destiny's exactly kind of why putting... which is exactly why she goes for this X-Force mission look to basically find how many times have they been doing this? What are they doing? Yeah. And I was I was caught off guard a little bit because she puts the idea of like this can't just be about defeating the robots before they evolve. Like there has mm-hmm. to be more. Well, she does. They don't fully realize that that's what it is yet either. Like Destiny still can't see what's happening. She's there's still some kind of block. I don't know if it's because she just came back. You know, like maybe she doesn't have her full powers because it was Hope who did it, and she's maybe not actually telepathic. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's something not quite fully there with with Destiny yet. But she, yeah, they're putting the idea in that for us though. Like there's a deeper secret because we don't fully really know why. Um, why they're scared of destiny that much. Like, we don't know the exact reason. Moira's like, no, fuck her. Because yeah, which we when we talked about Inferno One, a lot of the our our theorizing went to the fact that Destiny straight up told her, if you do anything against mutants again, I will kill you and you won't come back. Like so is that it is because she has always said that we always lose mutants always yes. lose like is this like a con that she's playing with basically like making people think they're safe but like really she's gonna like wipe out mutants on her on her own because remember she went and got her old journals on how to make the mutant cure in in the first inferno issue too yeah. so like is this some kind of like long con on on moira's part I honestly didn't think of that. Yeah. And that's why she doesn't want Destiny to know. Because like otherwise, if this is literally like the plan is to strengthen numbers because we always lose otherwise, then why wouldn't you want Destiny around? Because she can help see what's going to happen so you can avoid it. So then we have Mystique pretending to be uh, Sage, trying to look up all the information about the, their missions with the X-Force. Like you said, mm-hmm. almost everything's redacted. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Charles Xavier. What a prick. <laughs> he usually is. But so, again, what do, do you think there's anything that we haven't already been told that they're hiding? 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, of course there's. Well, I, well, I guess if they write down, oh, we know Nimrod's going to activate, we got to beat him. Someone would be like, well, how do you know that? Well, they kind of have, though. At some point, they, they've said to the people, like, we have to stop Nimrod before he be- becomes online. But the thing is, there's been a Nimrod before. They've seen, like, in this history, they've seen Nimrod before. He's come from the yeah. future. You know what I mean? Like, he was part of the... Uh, days of future past future as well like he he's come from the future before and like they've they've run into a nimrod before so like it it would make sense that they could tell everybody hey we've reached the point now in our history where nimrod is going to be made and we got to stop him so that we don't have what happened in all these pair all these alternate timelines that we've interacted with happen now so then we are so fucking confusing yeah then we cut to Mystique trying to infiltrate one of the Orcus bases with all these um, random gorilla people. I don't know the reason behind all this. Because okay, they're in how in the first X Men issue, I believe it was that Jonathan Hickman wrote when they were all just like basically one offs. There was a scene where Cyclops, Magneto, and and like a ragtag team of X Men were crashing an orcus base to which is when they ended up freeing the children of the vault yeah um at some point the scientists all like got together and they like injected themselves with something and then turned into crazy apes to like fight the mutants oh yeah you remember yeah. that that's yes. the, that's that's who these are that's who these people are fucking reference uh, t- fucking two years later fucking hickman dude <laughs> jesus christ anyway now you might have to help me out with this scene because I don't understand what their plan is. Which whose plan? The Orcus members when they're talking to Mystique, thinking she's someone else. Mm-hmm. They talk about how like they're using the sun energy to make a gateway of some sort. Um, I don't know if we fully. Yeah, I don't fully get what they're up to. So I'm wondering if like. It, she mentions cleansing the earth. Yeah, so I'm wondering if the, what they're trying to do is because they keep referencing harnessing the power of the sun. Are they literally yeah. trying to like harness the power of the sun and then focus that energy onto like Mars to blow it up or onto Krakoa to blow it up? You know what I mean? Like, is that really the it seems very James Bond villain, right? But like, I don't know how else to read it. So then we cut to a special meeting. With the new member, maybe of this secret council, uh, when Xavier, Magneto, and Moira meet up with Emma, and Emma is really confused and even says, "Like I know you're a great geneticist, but why are we here?" And Moira tells Emma to read her mind, and that she art is um, not happy. The art when she, as she's. Be- reading Moyer's mind and like getting the information and like breaking is so good. Yeah. Cause it's quite a bit to take in. <laughs> yeah. And I think writing wise, she takes it the best way she can. Oh, she's so good. I love when they write Emma as somebody who's like, yeah, I love my people and I will do anything for the mutant children, but I fucking hate you. Yeah. Basically that's how this ends where she says like, my loyalty to you is gone like now i know what's at stake but like you didn't trust me with all this before like she said like how long have you known all this deep shit and you left me in the dark like she's Mm -hmm. offended yeah 
like just because people don't see her as the heavy hitter doesn't mean she's not. But because but she is, you know what I mean? Like she yeah, absolutely she is. Be, I, she is an incredible, powerful person, has always been, but especially in the Krakoan age, like she is the leader of the Hellfire Trading Company, which is where most of where most of the money Krakoa gets is coming from. <laughs> like yeah. Like she handles the medicine and all that shit that goes out into the world, which buys them any clout they have, but also literally brings in money so that they can continue to be a nation. And then and then every time they need her, they always play on her fucking. We know you love the children. Will you do it for the children? You know, like they always fucking play on that, that part of her that no one ever really gives Emma credit for. But she does love her people. And that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, and then the ending of this. Well, actually, before that, Emma kind of storms off, but they they know that she understands now. But they also well, don't know if they might have made a new enemy. Yeah, I do like that part. She's she's like, did we just make a new enemy? And Xavier's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do I do? Read her mind? I don't fucking know. Now the very end did confuse me because we have a voiceover from Moira saying that like we need someone we can trust, and I thought she was going to walk out and join the council. Oh, I did too, man. Like this entire issue, I kept thinking that. (laughs) Because they kept playing on, all right, maybe we just need to be up front. Maybe we just need to be up front. And like when she says, I admit I was wrong. Like I thought maybe that's what she was admitting she was wrong about. They need to be like transparent. And then finally, the newest member of the quiet council is Colossus. In him, we can trust is the last line that Xavier says. So what is really going on here? (laughs) Like... I haven't been keeping up with X-Force, but like last I saw Colossus was kind of pissed off at everybody because they didn't trust him because he was Russian. So like, I don't know what this means. Like it was a shock in a sense of like him, but also like if he's also not somebody that you can control, like manipulate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like Colossus is truly much like Nightcrawler, like a conscious, a conscious character. Like he is like the, the moral compass type character, you know, like yeah, he won't do something just because like you want him to like go into his gray area. He's a very black and white, right and wrong type person. Yeah. Which I could see causing a lot of issues in a council that deals with really gray areas, which is why I'm like, why bring him in? I don't like, so yeah, I'm very confused why Colossus is coming in. Is it? It's actually a long con that the council gets out of hand. Magneto can just swing him around the entire council. (laughs) Maybe, maybe just kill everyone with like the, (laughs) the limp body. I'm sorry. Just smacked into everyone. Magneto's like, you see, I I don't know what happened. Colossus just went out of control and killed everybody. You see it on the footage. He's like, he's like mashed his head. (laughs) Magneto's like, no one's going to blame you for murder again. They were so wrong last time. Oh, God. Yeah. I got issue three of that sitting somewhere. I'll get to that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Not somewhere. You have it sitting on on an iPad. Yeah, but literally, it's, it's somewhere on this iPad. I don't know where. Oh, there it is. I'm looking at it now. Okay. Uh, how many X's, dude? Um, four and a half X's. I went. I, um, this app doesn't let me do halves, so I'm, I gave it four X's. Four X's. All right. Next up, we got New Mutants number twenty-two. Take it all away. All right. So <clears throat> it's been a minute since we uh, visited the New Mutants. So to catch everyone up, 
uh gabby right that's her name yeah okay uh gabby died surprise surprise how can she die uh the other kids a no no girl rain boy those those motherfuckers who were under uh farouk's control they were like oh man we fucked up and we let our friend die and so they were gonna circumnavigate the five bring her back uh they got caught rain and the original new mutants realized oh shit something's going on with shadow king we got to put an end to that so the og new mutants went off to visit the shadow king so we open with uh a look at the end of the world as now before you keep going I, every time you say og new mutants i always go yeah the og new mutants and warpath that's true he's with them right now no is he with oh, yeah he is with them yeah yeah okay. every time i'm like yeah it's the originals and warpath and, and warpath uh, the OG and Warpath. Um, but he's an OG Hellion, and so and yes. they were kind of together. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the older of the new mutants. <laughs> um, so there's one of one of my favorite openings to the old Power Powerpuff Girl, the original Powerpuff Girls cartoon was the city of Townsville is on fire. And that is how <laughs> this book opens with yeah. Krakoa is on fire. So they show like every part of uh, Krakoa on fire and, and being run by being overrun by Sentinels, Nimrod, the brood and the OG new mutants and Warpath are uh, trying to fend them all off. And, and we have uh, Belasco here. We have uh, Apocalypse's four horsemen. We have Orcus. We have, uh, Sim from Inferno, like everybody's big bads are yeah. are attacking them, uh, and the new mutants are losing miserably. And uh, Danny starts screaming, and then you see in the background because Rod Race's art is so fucking gorgeous, really fucking nice, in, especially in the splash the page with Danny. Oh my god, so good. absolutely gorgeous. And so we see Farouk's nasty, ugly face in the background. So we realize, oh, the Shadow King's doing something right now. And then we cut to the the new New Mutants uh, <laughs> that I referenced a minute ago. They are going to visit Gabby to apologize for not believing her and in, in turn getting her killed. Um, and so they're like, listen, I, we know you're not going to accept our apology, but we have to do it because you're our friend and we love you and we're very sorry. And even though Honey Badger, the, the actual Honey Badger, um, doesn't want to forgive them, it's hissing and barking at them. <laughs> um Gabby does. Gabby does forgive them. And they do a group hug and they're like, so we're going to go tell Shadow King we're, we're done with him. And she's like, well, no, the OG New Mutants and Warpath are doing it right now. And they told me I had to stay here because uh, they, they thought it would be too traumatic for me to see Shadow King after he just murdered me. Which, yeah, maybe. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> now, also before this, when Gabby was going to forgive them, I was like, this is kind of hokey. But her reasoning was really sweet. Saying, yes. like, at least you guys tried while everyone ignored me. You guys were going to forcefully take my body to the hatchery yeah. and she's bring like, me back. She's like, you guys did it in a very weird way, but you tried. And, you know, points yeah. for trying. <laughs> you controlled my corpse, and that's kind of weird. It's a little fucked up, but A for effort. A for effort. Yeah. Like, um, at least you tried. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which is why she forgives them. So the, the new new mutants are like, all right, well, we're going to go. Gabby, we'll let you know how it goes. And so she stays behind. Then we cut back to the new, the OG New Mutants and Warpath, 
as they are meeting with Farouk. And he's basically like, my friends, my friends, we got off to a, an unpleasant start. I'm sorry for showing you all your demises. Uh, <laughs> let's meet. Let's, let's, let's have a sit down. So they all sit down in his mind palace of uh, Cairo, whatever the fuck's happening right now. He gives them some tea. They're all sitting talking. And he's basically telling them, what always happens throughout history? Somebody is always betrayed. We always fail as mutants. Everyone hates us. And it's going to happen again. And we need to be prepared. And that's why I was fucking brainwashing the children to make them prepared for the inevitable, which is the Sentinels will come kill us. The, the humans will always hate us. They will always want to destroy us. And we need to be stronger together. And that's my plan. And the, uh, the OG New Mutants and Warpath are like, that's a dumb plan, dude. We're like, if we're if we make them hate us, then they're going to hate us. You know what I mean? Like you're you're making it happen. Like why feed into that anger? So they're trying to have a philosophical de- <clears throat> a philosophical debate. Now, before we keep going, actually, there's something I really liked about where his reasoning started. Mm-hmm. I love when events actually have repercussions in other books later. And he was saying like Apocalypse understood this, but then he already left when he got what he really wanted, and That's almost true. like he feels he's taking the mantle of toughening up the island. And like, he wasn't just being a bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy. He truly believes he's helping the mutants get better so they don't get wiped out. Like, he appreciates also that this is a rare opportunity, but also he's a bad guy doing it the bad way. Yes. Um, Yes. Thank you for, I did forget about that apocalypse part. I did enjoy that too, that callback and how he was basically like, but apocalypse abandoned us. Yeah. Um, I don't know yet if I fully believe that Farouk is doing this for altruistically uh, good, like in his mind, toughen up the mutants. You know what I mean? I still think Farouk's main goal in life is to, uh, is him in in his, whatever he wants, you know, like. God, can you imagine Farouk on the council? Oh, fuck, man. They would all be, (laughs) they'd all be fucking dead. Anyway, um, so we cut back to the new New Mutants and Gabby's like, I'm going to go with them. I'm tired of sitting on the sideline. I'm tired of everybody fighting my battles for me. I'm going to go face my fears. and I'm going to tell the Shadow King to his face that he's a big fat motherfucker and I don't like him. (laughs) And so they all go tramping through the woods to grandmother's house. They go. Um, And then we cut back and we see that the new they're still having this philosophical debate inside Farouk, like Farouk's fucking psychic world of the astral plane where he's in full control of everything. And they are arguing with him and he keeps showing them this is the future. If we don't if we don't be come together, like I am happy to teach you what (laughs) I am. He says, I'm happy to teach you until you believe basically saying I am going to continue to make you live in a world where we are being slaughtered until you believe me that we're going to live in a world that we're being slaughtered. Yeah. Something's going to change, man. And so he keeps them in this world where the Sentinels are destroying them. Even uh, what's it, what's that little green guy's name from a uh, ecstatic gloop leech. Oh, gloop. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Gloop, Even gloop, gloop is like there in, in one of these scenes. Um, and so uh, they are the new, the OG new mutants and Warpath are being tortured by, by shadow King to live and fight all the enemies, the brood, the fucking sentinels, Nimrod, they are constantly fighting and losing and and dying. 
and the fear that they're experiencing is all his way of saying, you will learn that this is our fate. If you don't let me manipulate everybody. Yeah. Naturally. Um, and so eventually the youngest of the new mutants arrived to the stormy uh, castle. That is Farouk's home. Cool art though. The way that it's picked the storm and the oh, so color good. changing. So good. And, uh, they realize something's wrong. A psychic terror reaches out like and, and really fucks with them. And they're like, Jesus Christ, what is going on up there? And so they get up and they realize, oh my God, the new mutants are being tortured. And we see that they are. It's Farouk standing over the seemingly dead bodies, but we know they're not. But like the lifeless yeah. bodies. Or they uh, are, it doesn't matter. <laughs> or it well, they can't be because then their brains wouldn't be working. Yeah. Uh, and he's basically like, it's such great art. His like he is standing over the lifeless bodies of rain danny sean warpath and magic and has his tentacles of evil thoughts going into their brains as they are being tortured to live this fucking world that farouk believes is going to come to pass if they don't do what he says and that's where the book ends yeah um how many x's I gave it four X's, one whole X for the art, and then the other three for the story, which I thought was okay. But like, yeah. I feel like it could have been better, honestly. I was, that's what's going with three X's for me. Yeah. So now let's get to sword number eight. And as I mentioned before we hit record, my friend, I did not, because as you mentioned at the top of the show, I've had a lot going on in the past week and a half. Uh, I didn't actually get a chance to read Sword yet. So I will, because you told me it's a storm issue, and I love a good yeah. storm issue. But I, we want to make sure the people get the coverage they deserve, so we're still going to cover it. Well, let me tell you a story, my friend. My friend who's a big fan of the character known as Storm. Yes. This is another storm issue where she's like, just so you know, I'm a bad bitch, <laughs> and I do what I want, and fuck you. Like That's, I love the, that. that's a summary of this issue. I love that Storm is the Beyonce of the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, so this issue opens up with Storm in orbit over Mars, talking about the people of this planet, this culture of mutants. And I love how she calls them cousin a lot. Yes. She does a lot in this book. And yeah, she book says that for up- the for the uh, Iraqi, Iraqi people, right? Like she calls yeah. them cousins because she calls the people of Krakoa her brothers and sisters. So that's yeah. that is pretty cute. It's pretty nice. So it's it's it opens up with her talking about that, but also describes how she's taking a piece of the atmosphere in a bubble with her while she's coming down back to the planet. That's nuts. We cut to the planet and we see this big arena and we see this lava powered mutant, this huge lava mutant, a bunch of people in the circle watching in this kind of arena. And basically, this mutant is saying, Hey, Storm, you think you're the rule of this planet? You're not even one of us. Fuck you. Come here. Let's fight when I win by either death or by you yielding, then I take your spot. That's oh. the premise. So, uh, so somebody's foolish enough to challenge uh, Storm to a trial of combat? Yeah. My girl never loses one of those. So those guys waiting, yelling she's late, what the hell's going on, until he feels a snowflake. <laughs> and that snowflake becomes a storm of wind. And this guy just yells, it's so cold, I can't take it. And she's like, do you yield? He yields and she flies away. About a five second fight. Yep. (laughs) Fucking loved it. 
Then we cut to a data page about all the members of the um, of this quiet council. Okay. And I'm not going over all these characters. A lot of characters, and each seat has a different title, like a seat of history, a seat of law, seat of dreams. Basically, something everyone in this area controls of Akaro. Okay. We cut to the meeting, and immediately someone throws a knife at Storm. She catches it and says, "Pretty good. This one's more is more well balanced than the ones before." And then puts it in her back pocket. <laughs> Meaning Remember- every day someone tries to kill her. <laughs> That, that makes sense. Remember that uh, that issue of Marauders where like they all got drunk and took bets on how many knives Storm has on her at any given yeah. moment? <laughs> it kind of feels like a callback to that. So no one looks impressed with Storm, but they understand that she's in charge, except one person. Uh, remember the, the guy who hates Sinister? Tarn? Tarn, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's part of the council. Yes. And basically, he's talking shit about Storm. And Storm says, Oh, like that one time you said you wouldn't go to Earth and attack Sinister. That's exactly what you did. And he basically says, you know what? I'd do it again, and no one's going to stop me. And what I love about this issue, Storm immediately goes, is that a challenge to my spot? And he's like, no, I don't care about your spot. And he's like, well, you're disrespecting me, so I guess you're challenging me. And kind of everyone's like, hey, are you sure you want to fight her? He's like, I don't want to be in charge, but she's disrespecting me. She's talking down to me. I'll let her know her place and then I'll take her spot. No biggie. Now I'm reading this going, wow, because we've seen this guy fight. He's epically powerful. Yeah. He can do a lot of bad shit. So they go to the arena to fight and storm comes down looking all powerful. And then she falls down because he turned off her powers with his mind. Then Mm -hmm. he deformed her body, gave her tentacles and, and her leg and her face huge and like really fucked her up and he's like if you beg i'll let you live and then we can end all of this and she gets really close and then grabs the knife that she caught in the beginning of the issue and stabs him in the chest and says if you try and do anything with your powers i'll immediately stab you in the heart because the blade is resting on his heart mm. and basically he's like no nah, i'll get you first she's like do you want to bet and he just says, damn you, while blood's coming from his mouth and says, I yield. Wow. This is a guy who defeated teams of mutants. And he put his guard down for one second because he thinks he thought he already beat Storm. <laughs> and she put a knife in his heart. So he's gushing blood. Storm looks fucked up. And he, she pulls the knife out after he said, I, I yield. And he basically says, well, you can't be part of the council anymore. I took your powers away. You're deformed. What do you think you're going to do when someone else wants to challenge you again? You're going to lose in a second. And they're going to challenge you because you have no powers. And she just smiles at him. Like she's ready to fight. She doesn't give a fuck. And he basically became really impressed and started laughing and then fixed her. Fixed her powers. Fixed her looks and everything. And walked away saying, perhaps you're one of us after all. Yeah, he's, yeah, I'm reading the line where he says, you are of Ar- Araco, Windrider, and perhaps, yes, perhaps even a menth, which is that hellhole that he comes from. Yeah. and But he also kind of like questions her a little bit like, you're pretty brutal, not like, you're, uh, not like your brothers and sisters. And basically, she earned the respect of a lot of people. And what I love is she goes to WizKid and says like, hey, can you double check and make sure he didn't like 
do anything to me genetically. Yeah. And he's like, no, you're perfectly fine now. They didn't do anything to you. And she kind of proudly looks at the sky, talks about how she understands these people. And then in the sky is the image of her when she had a mohawk. Oh, nice. I'm looking at it. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's kind of referencing the fact that that was the last time she fought with no powers. Maybe, yeah. And yeah, that was the issue. It's good. Uh, The art is kind of not great. That is the only reason it's not getting uh, four stars. The art is weird. How many X's are you giving it? Three? I'm giving it X's. I'm giving it three three and a half X's. Let's go with that. The art does bring it down because it's not terrible, but it's inconsistent. Yeah. There'll be a page where Storm looks real weird, especially yeah. in close-up shots. Yeah, that last, not the last one. This, this, the I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah. Where she's looking up in the rain. Yeah, like she, looks, she looks like, like uh, Han still has his way with her. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting art. Yeah, looks like she's part of the Fat Albert gang or something. Yeah, something like that. Like her face goes from being like kind of narrow to like super round in like yeah. this, in the span of a in the, yeah in the same page too <laughs> yeah like it's kind of weird so that that makes it that brings it down a little bit for me yeah. but yeah i realizing more and more there's just somebody else finished those panels uh as our guest in the studio says it looks like someone else finished the panels <laughs> like they just had time to finish it <laughs> yeah but yeah it uh, i'm realizing more and more that these books are becoming the storm show because they're planning something big. Yeah. 100%. I feel like there's something storm knows that other characters don't know. Like there's an end game with this. They wouldn't dedicate an entire issue to this one character multiple times. It's not the first time in sword they've done this. No, no. And she, yeah. And ever, yeah, she's been a, a big part of sword now for a while too. So, yeah. So that's how issue eight ends. Nice. I will definitely read that in its entirety. All right, so now we move on to a two-part coverage of Excalibur because we uh, missed an issue not too long ago. Yeah, we'll do the same thing next week when I cover two issues of Wolverine. Ugh. Okay. And we, are we ever, we got to get back to X-Force at some point too. Ugh. Yeah, we're going to do right. some heavy episodes soon. Yeah. Keep it okay. efficient. Got to get it, get it in. That's what she said. Um, okay, so. We're going to be covering Excalibur 23 and 24. Let's start with number 23. Tell me what's going on. All right. So I don't remember where we left. So, okay. I'm going to try to give you a quick backstory of where we're at. Uh, The nation of England has decided they no longer respect the Treaty of Krakoa. They no longer uh, have Krakoa, view Krakoa as a a, a land or country. And because of that, they were going to try to take back um, the lighthouse that was on that the Excalibur calls home because it's on UK soil. But instead, Richter said, mm, I'm going to turn it into an island because I create, I can uh, control the land. And so thus it became a part of Krakoa, which is also the only way to reach Otherworld now because they have the portal and they control entry into Otherworld. That is basically the sum, summation of where we're at with Excalibur. So we open with a sleeping Betsy Braddock uh, waking from her nightmares of basically doom that might be coming to, to Krakoa. And um, she's, in, she's visited by uh, 
Victor Von Doom and some Doombots. And so Betsy psychically says, wake up, Excalibur. We got a visitor. (laughs) And so the team joins her all in their pajamas and say, uh, hi, Doom. Uh, In the spirit of uh, ambassador, diplomacy is the word I'm looking for. Uh, I'm going to be nice and ask you what you're doing here. Ambassador, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say, but I meant diplomacy. Um, and so he basically is like, Excalibur, I have no time for your nonsense. Uh, if Kate Pride were here, she would know that I've worked with you all before, but she's not. So uh, I don't have time to explain myself to you. You have the only way to other world and I need to get to other world. And so let me through. And so they remind her, him, Victor Von Doom, that you can't go through that gate unless you're a mutant. So you need us. And he says, bah. You think you're the only nation that has mutants? And he reveals in his cape that he has kidnapped a mutant baby. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, I have a mutant right here and I will go through your gate. And they're like, fucking whose baby is that? He's like, perhaps it is my baby. And they're like, whose baby is it? Yeah, it's not my baby. (laughs) And (laughs) And so finally, Betsy's like, fine, we will go with you on your mission to other world if you give us back that baby so we can find out where it belongs and so he does that he takes them That's on this doom thing though. right it's so funny and so he takes them on their offer and he gives the baby to jubilee and jubilee's like all right i'm gonna bring this baby and and shogo to uh to kyle and who's the i guess the babysitter of choice uh, <laughs> on krakoa because he's human so he's got nothing else to do um and so they then fuck off to Otherworld and they go on a mission to Otherworld. Uh, Doom is not quite telling them really what he wants. He basically says, I've, I've heard that Morgan Le Fay has left and I have something. She had something of mine that I want back. And it's basically being hinted at a lot that like they were dating at some point. He basically wants something back from, from her. Yeah, no, they've dated before. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I, I didn't know that backstory until this. I issue. think... There was something like she's part of his history and his origin too. Well, yes, they she is based on this issue. I just I don't think I knew that until now. Yeah. So as they're traping through Avalon, uh, they are greeted by Megan. And they're like, Hey, you gotta go incognito. You know, fairies are kind of a they're they're hunted right now. <laughs> like they they don't they're not welcome here. She's like, oh okay. And so she changes her appearance because that's what she can do. And she's like, now I'm just any traveling mutant. And right when that happens, they are attacked by an assassin from uh one of the other worlds where the vampires live uh, in uh, in other world, one of the realms where the vampires live. Yeah, because one of the um one of the people from X of Swords snuck off the one that Storm thought she killed. Yes, I think one of the four horsemen. I guess. Yeah, death is with them. That's where yeah. death is right now. He, they he revived comes, him or took his body, or whatever. Yes, exactly. And that that come actually good callback because it comes up in the next issue. Yeah. Um, and so they basically defend themselves against this assassin, and they're like, and because Betsy's like, uh, you guys know that I'm like a regent of of the Citadel. Like, if you attack me, you're declaring war on the fucking Citadel. What are you doing? And like, they defend them and they they leave, and so they're like. They couldn't have been the vampires that sent that officially, right? They don't want to declare war on us. And so they continue to go in on their path where they get to the spot where Morgan Le Fay's castle was, but it's not there. And Doom is like, what the fuck is happening? Where is it? And so Richter 
talks to the grass <laughs> and he's like the grass says it has been moved and sure victor, yeah, whatever yeah toss victor, the grass fuck it whatever victor says pardon <laughs> victor runs is like what the fuck are you talking about the grass is talking to you and jubilee starts talking jubilee shoots off her like little fireworks which the uh, the little fairies around there like and they come talk to her and at, yeah, one, point, just full. Yeah, and at one point victor's like i've had enough of these undomesticated peasant magics of yours <laughs> tell me what i need to know i can it, see doom getting really frustrated just like, he, like he's, can we he's just so, he's getting so frustrated right <laughs> it, throughout this entire issue and so they realize well if it's gone there's only one place to get our answers from and that is the crooked market and one jim jaspers so they yeah. head to the crooked market uh betsy and victor von doom take off together to go see uh, Jaspers and the rest of the Excalibur decide they're just going to go hang out in the market where Gambit is like, oh, I know what to do. I can get us some money. And he just uh, crashes into a card game that he has no idea how to play. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I picked it up. And he's like, look, I've got a fool, whatever the game is called. I win, right? And, every, and the rest of the table is like, yeah, that's not one of our cards. You're cheating. And I can see the magic on that. Um, you're you're what the fuck are you guys doing? And like they have to run for their lives. Um, but back at the house of Jim Jaspers, uh, Betsy and Victor Von Doom basically are like, hey, uh, we're looking for Morgan LeFay's castle or whatever. This motherfucker wants something from his ex-girlfriend. Can you help him out? And so at some point, Jaspers is like, oh, I have this box that I came that Morgan LeFay. This is all that's left of Morgan LeFay's possessions is this box. And and Von Doom is like, what? What do you want for it? He's like, that's not how it works here. He's like, I'm I can control reality. I'm a reality warping mutant. I can have whatever the fuck I want. He's like, you need to tell me what I want. That's how it works here. <laughs> and, and again, Victor Von Doom is getting fucking pissed. He's like, what is with these riddles? I fucking just give me that box. <laughs> and at some point, he says, if you don't give me that box, I will bring the entire force of Latvia here. And Jim Jim Jaspers is like. That's actually what I want. I want Latvia. (laughs) And and then Betsy's like, wait, 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 wait. No, I'm not here for your treaties of evil people. What the fuck is happening? (laughs) She's like, this needs to stop. I can't sanction this. But before it can, they are attacked by the same people that end up attacking the rest of Excalibur, which are a group of creatures called the Furies. And they keep calling them, they're attacking them, and they keep calling them friends of... Um, Mordred, which we find out in a in a data page, page Mordred, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, is the uh, the son of Arth- King Arthur, who has it, through prophecy always been prophesized to eventually kill his father and take over Camelot. And so, okay. because of that, Arthur has always tried to kill him first or get rid of him in some <laughs> way. And but. It, we can't find he's actually missing in this world come to find out he's with the furies um or no he's he's not with the Furies. sorry i forget which group he's with but they keep calling them friends of mordred and they are attacking him them for just being friends of him and so all the mutants of excalibur are like what the fuck who is this Mordred? we're not friends with this bird. what are you guys doing why are you attacking us and they finally are able to fend off these these creatures by basically confusing them because they're part man, part machine. 
they were created by somebody. I don't remember now who, I think Jim Jaspers actually created them and then they got out of hand. <laughs> but at some point, uh, Betsy says, what the fuck are you doing right now? You are attacking the head of a state. You're attacking. I am the, the knight of the Citadel. You are declaring war on us. If you keep this up and they're like, uh, wait, we have our master. We have this master that we follow, but we are also now citizens of other world. Um, we're going to regroup and take this up later. <laughs> and so they, <laughs> they take off in this. And, uh, He's like, well, we don't know quite what we're doing yet. So we're going to take off. Um, and so Victor Von Doom sneaks away with his little box and discovers that when he opens the box, it is actually Morgan Le Fay's castle shrunk down inside the box. I'm sorry. Wait, hold, pause. Yes. Is, this is not the same issue, right? This is the second issue? Nope. This is the same issue. What? This is yeah, there's still a, a whole issue to go, my friend. This is a lot happening in this yeah. one issue. <laughs> and so at, at the end of this issue, Von Doom has seen that he got what he wanted. And so he writes, because he is a man of, of charitable nature, he writes to Betsy, and he calls her Elizabeth. <laughs> and he, of course. He, he writes to, to uh, Captain uh, Britain and says, one of the things that is in Morgan Le Fay's castle that I now have is a, the seen waters of other world, basically like some magic things where you can see what's happening. And he basically says, uh, I'm giving this to you as a gift. And so then we find um, Betsy and Megan doing their magic and looking into this whirlpool of, of water that Morgan Le Fay has to see that who this Mordred person is and what the, the story of that. And Megan basically says, I think he's a mutant. And I think that's why we're being called friend. I think that's their term for mutants. And that's why they want to kill us because he's a bad guy to them. So all mutants must be bad guys to them. Oh. And that is how the issue ends with them realizing that the son of Xavier, or Xavier the son of uh, King Arthur is a mutant. So yeah. I really enjoyed it. I gave it four X's. I, I want to read that now. I, like- <laughs> it's, it's a fun, it, it's a fun one. Uh, so now we are moving on to Excalibur 24. Same art, same art. Uh, Teeny Howard and Marcus Toe are doing art for both, both of them. So we open up in, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce it right, but Slaviath, maybe? This is the vampire kingdom of Otherworld. We open up, one Betsy Braddock is there uh, meeting with the, the countesses or or whatever she calls them basically the vampire rulers of this world they're sitting down for a glass of wine which they assure her is only wine and so they're having a diplomatic meeting and she basically is like i'm here for answers whilst i was walking through avalon the other day an assassin from your realm attacked me are you declaring war on the citadel what's happening and they are basically not answering her directly they're giving her riddles and saying uh we don't know. Uh, we are a long race of people who have always needed to protect our homeland because we're immortal and we need a place to live. Like they just start going into this need for uh, uh, them to have a home and the other world is the only place they can exist now. And so at some point, Betsy's like, ah, all right, I see I'm not enough. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not getting any answers from you fucking weird ass vampires but before i go 
I, I want to see somebody. And so we'll cut to that in a minute. But before we get there, we cut back to the crooked market where we find one Remy LeBeau uh, in the market with uh, all things from Earth. He's got a, a Rubik's cube. He's, he's got a Rubik's cube. He's got all these things that he is basically selling to the, the people of the crooked market. And one of them is a, a Pop-Tart, too, that some old lady wanted. And he's basically like stealing stuff from Earth and bringing it to other worlds to make a quick buck. Uh, but then Jim Jaspers comes around and changes the whole scene because he's a reality warping mutant. And he says, what the fuck are you doing making money in my goddamn crooked market without my <laughs> approval? And Remy's like, uh, you know, hey, I'll cut you in next time. How about that? And he's like, I don't fucking need your money, Remy. I control everything. <laughs> and then in, in to prove it. Oh, because he's like, what? You want some of that fancy tea from Britain? I can get you fancy tea. And Jim Jasper's like, I can make tea out of <laughs> out of anything. I can make the reality. He's like, in <laughs> fact, I can make it so you serve me tea. And he puts uh he puts Remy in a little uh, French maid's outfit and gives him cat ears and basically has <laughs> Remy serving him tea. You might have to send me that picture. <laughs> I, I will. I'll screenshot it and send it to you. And so Gambit's like, all right, all right, enough. I've learned my lesson. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I, I I I I yield. I'm sorry. <laughs> And so we cut back and then we cut to Jubilee meeting with um, the regent Roma, the regent of one of the other lands. And she is basically meeting with her saying, when show goes here, he's a dragon. He's got magic powers. And I don't know what to do with that. And I think that maybe he needs to learn from you and your people, but I don't want to leave him here. And she's basically, and, the, and Roma is basically saying, yeah, he does need. He he's a magical creature, and he, he has a home here. And every time he goes back to Earth, a little bit of that magic dies. But I understand you're his mother, and you want to be with him, and not him be a giant dragon, and not him be a giant. But at some point, she says, "Jubilation, beautiful name." She even says, um, "She's like, at one point when you were young and not knowing how to control your powers, you found a community of of people like you, and were able to find a family and learn how to control your powers." That's kind of what your son needs here. And so she says, basically, all right, I understand that someday I'm going to bring him here. But for now, I still want to hang out with my son. And so after all that, we cut back to Betsy, who is having herself a sword fight with death. Because that's the person she wanted to see before she left the vampire kingdom, because that's where he is now, like you like you uh, reminded us. And so she's having this open discussion with him, but then also having a telepathic discussion with him saying, uh, what's up with the vampires, dude? Uh, did they send assassins after me? And he's like, I think one of them went rogue. I'm not sure that they are actually doing that on their own. He's like, uh, she, and she's reminding him, like, they're waging war on mutants and you are a mutant. He's like, yes, I am a mutant and my mutant family comes first, but I'm going to hang out here a little bit longer so I can figure out what's going on. <laughs> and she basically she's like i can get you out of here and he's like no i'm good I'll, I'll stay here for a little bit more and so at one point she says i appreciate knowing we have your support for however bad things get S storm was right about you death you are a charmer and then he says lady storm she remembered me <laughs> <laughs> and then like, yeah she killed you kind of <laughs> yeah but like because remember how like infatuated he was with her? Though, too? They were dancing and stuff yeah, like he, that. Like yeah. he, he's basically. And I guess he would be a mutant. 
still yeah, no he is a, yeah he's one of the yeah. first as well he's he's a child of he's one of the children of apocalypse yeah and so i just love that scene i was like oh lady storm remembers me that's so exciting <laughs> they're really amping up storm man she really is, she's everybody's love yeah and so we get to the heart of the book which is early on in excalibur's run uh not jim jaspers but the other reality warping mutant god what's his name betsy's brother oh jamie jamie yes at one point jamie uh created a bunch of uh captains britain out of the team of excalibur and made it like another reality and thus they became real people and uh they were basically rogue captains britain and so they are on trial for being rogue captains britain and saturnine is overseeing this trial and the 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 captain britain corps is there to basically say this is uh their people what are you doing that they're they didn't mean to do this they were created to do this and they're having this this debate on this trial and when eventually the the britain corps seizes on somebody who snuck into the proceedings and that person is merlin who is a bad guy yeah and merlin is basically like I am here to tell you that King Arthur is outside and he's going to wage war on you, witch breed and Saturnine. You have chosen wrong to surround yourself with these witch breed. And so at some point, Captain Britain and the Britain Corps are like, should we go with you to, to investigate this? And she says, no, this is a, this is not a, a issue with the captains. This is actually a mutant issue. Excalibur, let's go. And so the Excalibur team heads out to meet um, Captain or Captain King Arthur and his in his army, and are met with basically, are, are you really about to wage war on us because we're mutants? You know your son is a mutant. And he's like, yeah, I do, and that's why I fucking hate you people. <laughs> and so she tries to read his mind, but Merlin has put a magic spell on him so that sure. she can't use her mutant powers on him. And so it. the the mutants who at this time are Bay, uh, Shatterstar, Richter, Jamie, uh, Captain Avalon, Brian, who's not a mutant, but his family is mutant, so he's fighting with them. Remy, uh, Captain Britain, the real Captain Britain now. Shogo, Jubilee, and Megan are up against the entire army of Furies and, and the rest Merle. of King Arthur's <laughs> army. And so back inside the Citadel, Merlin is basically, again, chastising Saturnine for uh, teaming up with the witch breed and basically saying, this is your demise. I'm about to be in charge again. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. And then he <laughs> magics himself out of there. And so it ends basically with the army, the mutant army and King Arthur's army clashing outside of the Starlight Citadel in a war for the realms basically and that's how we uh, that's how we end X that's a different book but yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but at this realm not not those realms the the other world realms and that's where we end things that's a lot yeah so uh things are getting crazy in excalibur world yeah but yeah how I, many really, X's? I gave this one another four xer i'm really liking where excalibur is at right now i love the art it's getting better <laughs> see it's very good it's it's got a nice mix of humor magic mutant stuff 
weird nonsense. It, it's fun. It's a fun book like an Excalibur book should be. All right. Well, on that note, uh, Josh, I hear people really like Batman. Is that um, a thing you've heard? I've heard. I've heard that he's a popular character. Um, yeah, I've heard that. Well, in case anyone listening now does like this obscure character, uh, you should definitely listen to our new podcast, Good Morning Gotham, where we talk about just a bunch of stuff in the Batman universe, popular storylines, TV shows, movies, whatever we feel like talking about in the Batman universe. Yeah. First episode is available now on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Boom. All right, guys. Thank you for supporting all of our shows in the Krakoa Podcast Network. <laughs> and Josh, where can they find you? Uh, you can go online and find me at Xbrarian. It's librarian with an X. And you can also visit www.krakoaradio.com. No, it's Podcast Network. I, it's, it, it is a podcast network, but our website is krakoaradio.com. I don't appreciate you lying to our fans. I'm not. You are lying to the fans. I want them to go to the actual website. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in case he is lying, you can find me at Madman3005. And until then, guys, you will listen to us both next time or on a different podcast where it's Gotham. This has been a Krakoa Radio production.